1: You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
2: And now, with the conclusion of this week's Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, Mr. David Alt. Welcome back to Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 13 for the 7th of August. I'm David Ott. If you could please take your seats, Mr. Tom Conkle and his Mindstream players are set to provide two old time radio style comic gems with The Reasonably Amazing Adventures of Flash Gordon, Episode 5, and The Hairy Hands of the Hitchhiker. So please join me in welcoming them to the Playhouse.
3: the reasonably amazing interplanetary adventures of Flash Gordon. For the benefit of those who were fortunate enough to have not heard our earlier four mainstream episodes of Flash Gordon, Flash and Dale Arden were thrown onto the new planet Mongo. The two Americans were sent to the terribly gentrified prison city of the Hawkmen. In the wildly unpopular tournament of death, Flash Gordon wins the Unconquered Kingdom of the Caves and sets out to subdue his domain. We now follow Flash Gordon in his attempt to enhance the curb appeal of the Kingdom of the Cave. Friends, your colon might be due for a service. Have you ever been in a restaurant where it feels like there is such slow service you want to call a manager? (laughs) Well, take it easy. What's mostly needed is to look at why your digestion is so upset. For your poor digestion, you need something that works after nature's own order fails. Try Hersey's Little Colon Pill. Swallow the little brown pill when you're upset and feel headachy and irritable. Take Hersey's Little Colon Pill for all the calamities in your duodenum. You see, each day nature normally produces about two pints of a digestive juice mentioned as far back as the Bible to help digest your food. If nature fails, your food may remain undigested for hours, days, or even months, leaving you headachey and irritable. Swallowing these brown sausage-shaped doughy pills with the trademark cracks in the surface can make your colon cheerful and happy again. Take Hershey's little lumpy colon pills. They increase the flow of this vital process quickly, often in as little as 30 minutes. This soon to be approved artificial aid to counteract indigestion is Hersey's little colon pill and only a suggestion after nature's own order fails. Take Hersey's little colon pills. Some may vary in brown color, texture, amount and odor. Get them at any drugstore. only 25 cents a plop. Sponsors of the reasonably amazing interplanetary adventures of Flash Gordon. Now, having picked up a company of King Bolton's Hawkmen, the huge rocket ship bearing Flash and Dale to their new kingdom heads for the yawning mouth of Kira, the wild and forbidding cave world, the veritable red-like district of Mongo, if you will. Following Ming's map and instructions, Captain Thune steers a course for the stronghold of Zhu, the executive vice president of the cavemen. The ship leaves the gloom of the first cave and enters another cave colossal in size and brilliantly lighted. They get out of the rocket ship, realize the great danger they are about to face, go back, land the rocket ship first,
4: and then get out this time. Well, Dale, we're here.
3: My no,
5: I'm standing right here.
4: It's visible. Bear with me, Dale. Oh! Oh! Oh!
5: What? What is it?
4: Thanks for asking you're getting this now. Look, Dale!
5: Oh! What a huge cave, and look at all those little holes inside!
4: Those must be the dwellings of my subjects.
5: No, don't get a big head, Flash. Wait!
4: Is all my kingdom like this?
1: I've never been inside before, Your Majesty.
5: Seriously, Captain Thune? You're giving the
1: tour. Nobody has ever explored this strange underground world.
5: Look, men are coming out of the holes of the cliffs. Some of them look a bit sheepish, even guilty. And yet mostly they are fierce-looking men.
1: That powerful-looking red-headed giant must be their leader. We'll break the news to him, Your Majesty. Uh, him? Uh, The the big one over there? Yes, the 12-foot giant, Your Majesty. Uh, Why you come? Huh? 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 his majesty flash the ruler of these caves demands no okay, so, no
4: you don't you don't need to keep calling me that in front of him Thune. <laughs> certainly
1: new absolute ruler of all the cave dwelling people mm. okay
4: well now let's not be hasty let's let's introduce ourselves to him first then
1: and your knee oh red-haired one this is mighty king flash oh.
4: <laughs> that's that's not necessary uh, captain mm. <laughs> uh. Who you think you are? I'll tell you who he is. He's a captain. See? He's very important too. It's not just me throwing my weight around here. It's, it's Look at him. This is Flash, the first ruling
1: king of all the cave world, by order of Ming the Merciless, Emperor of Mongo. Who? Ming! Ming the Merciless, the Emperor of this world. We have Emperor? Yes, of course! You know Ming! Ming the ruthless tyrant who rules the planet Mongo! Oh, 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 oh. what Mongo? What's a Mongo? Mongo is a planet you live on! Mongo is the name given to your world! I wouldn't name it Mongo! It is Mongo! It is an agreed upon name now! It's Mongo, where you live! Sound like made up word! All words are made up! That's the thing about words. Look, you make up a word and you agree together that it means something, right? Mongo is a made-up word just like any other. When we meet about that? We didn't. It was decided a long time ago. It's Mongo. It's called Mongo, a made-up name, yes, silly baby. But this is a dictatorship under an emperor called Ming, so Good luck having some sort of retroactive cave community meeting about it at this point. The place ruled by the antagonistic Ming, the Merciless! What merciless about him? What's merciless about Ming? It's everything! Look! Flash is now your king! No! No king!
5: Oh, I agree. An emperor is a bit much already, isn't it? You poor redheaded deer.
1: Me crush! Me kill him!
5: Oh look, he's picking up that stone. Oh, that reminds me of your testicles, Flash!
4: You really think they're that large?
5: No, but they're just as
4: dusty.
1: Drop that stone, Ashley! This is a ray pistol which can dissolve you into pieces!
4: Wait, Thun! I will not rule any man I can't beat in a superficially fair combat. I will fight you! <laughs> <laughs>
6: Get up, human! No, I'm laying in wait, like a
4: devilish eel. What do you mean? (laughs) Ow.
1: Flash, you hit me.
4: I'm sorry, Thun. You leaned over to check on me. I thought you were that enormous red-bearded devil. I am stronger than you. (laughs) Hey, I
1: wasn't ready for that Flash. You stronger, you fastidious you king. Thanks.
4: I'll make you my right hand man.
1: Why? What do you do with your right hand? I think we should run. It's that disgusting?
5: No, but now that you mention it, he was strangely drawn to all the holes in the cliffs on the way here.
4: No! Run! Run for your life! He comes! I know. The Eater of men. Leave Dale out of this.
5: Well, what's that big lizard monster?
4: Let's go, Dale! Run for your life! Quick! Give me my signal gun when that thing gets close enough.
5: No, no! Shoot him now, Flash!
4: Good work, Your
1: Majesty. You have blinded him.
4: There it goes! There he goes! Blinded! I don't think you'll ever be bothered by him again.
5: <laughs> well, looks like you're the blind one, Flash! How could you not see the lizard was still attacking? Oh, well, there, I got him.
4: I was merely toying with it, of course.
5: Yeah, we know all about that, Mr. Right Hand Man.
4: Hey, you said you liked that.
5: Yeah, context is a real important part of the enjoyment of the right hand and the going blind thing flash.
1: Ugh. Oh, King. Me
4: and my tribe fight for you always. That was fast. Fine. With the cavemen and the hawkmen, I'll conquer my kingdom. Flash Gordon leads his army of
3: cavemen and hawkmen into the immense caves, which make up his kingdom after progressing for a long time without seeing a living thing or having any regard for personal hygiene. Flash decides to take Dale and go on a scouting expedition. At least, that's what they called it. An hour later, while walking through a cave of terrifying beauty, the two Americans are suddenly surprised by a band of lizardmen. They drop from all sides hurling stones. Not wanting to feel left out, a small squadron of platypusmen, an unholy union of water, rat, and duck descend on our heroes as well. With their small, hairy, grayish balls, and narrow elongated beaks and robust legs, lacking wings, they still try to attack Flash, Dale and their army. Flash is knocked out, and Dale's signal gun shrieks its siren as she fires bolt after bolt at the charging lizard beasts. Back on the plane, Captain Thune and Zook, the red-headed giant man, leak on their own feet as the wailing of Dale's signal gun reaches their ears. But then, with the wet-footed, seemingly fearless Captain Thune at their head, the squad of Hawkmen then come to the rescue. Dale, Dale, what has
1: happened to his majesty?
5: Lizardmen. They were the only ones who successfully attacked us and knocked Flash out. I fought them all off, but they took Flash and creeped through that crevice.
1: It's blocked with a huge stone. Men, swing that quick-firing gun into position. That's, uh... not a quick-firing gun. Yes, it is! With haste, men! Flash's life hangs in the balance!
3: Wait, no, that's a multifunctional garden hose, Captain. It's not, uh... Just do it! uh, okay...
1: Uh, okay, right. Uh, there! This way, Dale! Let us find His Majesty! Look, blood! That means King Flash came this way. Lizard men don't bleed red.
5: This passage seems more blocked up than your arteries, my fine fellow.
1: Uh, thanks. Uh, we'll have to use the micro-gun. I'll get to the hole. Here, I'll bend over and try to aim at it now.
3: Can I turn off my hose now?
5: Wait, let me squeeze through that opening.
1: What? Oh, right. Sure. I'm game. Uh, Dale, can you see the end?
5: Uh, no. Oh, not yet. If you could stand up and move over? Now? I'm stuck, but I can see light ahead.
4: Dale?
1: Oh, Flash,
5: darling, you're alive!
4: I think so. Yes. I'm so glad. You'll have to get the hammer. I can't budge this stone.
5: Can you reach my signal gun?
4: Yes, I got it. Thanks. Quiet. Here come the lizard men
3: after us. In the meantime, in the castle of Azora, the witch queen of the blue magic men, Namer of Clouds, and Rasputin impersonator, Sal, the chief magician, calls the queen Azor's attention to something he sees in the magic LED TV glass.
6: Yeah, look, oh queen! Rangers to my caves? Fighting with the lizard men, see? They have blown down the stone with that garden hose and have conquered their opponents. They are free.
7: Where did you see that? What happened? Are we even looking at the same thing on the screen
6: here? There, oh queen. Well earlier, you missed it. I called you before, but you were in the queen's room again.
7: I had the beats. You know what they do to me.
6: Oh, yes. Yes. Ugh.
7: They are coming this way. What a handsome blonde leader, Sal. We must go welcome him. Give me a few hours Do look natural.
4: What's that sound? Quiet. The earth is trembling. The walls are shaking.
5: The soldiers and the cavemen?
4: They're buried under an avalanche of stones.
5: That weird light. What does it mean?
4: Look in the midst of the lower flames. A woman!
5: Okay. Settle down, Flash. Wow. Greetings,
7: strangers. Who are you? Bender,
6: Neo-strangers. You are face-to-face with Azora, Queen of the Blue Magic Men, Namer of Clouds, and Rasputin Impersonator. Queen?
4: That explains the beard. I'm King Flash. I bend my knees to no one, man or woman.
7: So, make him bow to me, Sal. (laughs) The beats Poison gas!
6: Well... Oh, it's strangling <coughs> us. Mm. Ah, welcome to my world. She does this quite often in her sleep, too. <laughs>
4: Don't worry, Dale.
6: <clears throat> Your smell is on them, O oh queen.
7: See, I am pointing. They stink to the ground unconscious from the sleep gas.
6: That's one name for it. Yours is the power to bring them back. Sal, open a
7: window. In the cave? Fool. I'm the foolish one. The fool? He thinks he can pitch his muscle against my sleep gas? How did you get that from what just happened? Have them carried to the gravity sled. We will return to the castle. Queen Azora of the
6: blah, blah, blah. Here are the three strangers laid out before you, still in a deep slumber of revulsion, from which only you have the power to bring them back. What is your pleasure?
7: Oh, he is so handsome, so big, turgid, and strong, even in sleep. Sal, use the pull motor.
6: He doesn't look like he needs it at the moment. The pole motor might be too much.
7: Put the pole motor on him now. Bring this one back to the fullness of life.
6: There. His eyelids quiver also. A shudder runs through his body. The blonde youth is coming back to us.
4: Ew. Don't worry, Dale. I'm with you, I'm... Where am I? Oh! You!
7: Yes. Are you so displeased with my appearance? Am I not beautiful to look upon? Dale! Take your breath. She cannot hear you. She cannot answer you. She is... Dead? Oh! Dale! You... you witch!
4: You killed her!
7: Yes. Yes, I killed her.
4: You stand there and admit it.
7: I just did. What? I just admitted it! I killed her as I killed you and your other companion, and I can bring her back as I brought you back to life from the bowels of Mongol.
4: Then do it at once.
7: You are young and full of life. It would be a pity to put such a fine person's manhood to death.
4: What are you talking about? Uh,
7: one of you must die. Who shall it be? You? Or the girl?
4: You know there's only one answer to that. Fine. Kill the woman. No! That, that's not the answer!
7: Oh! The brave youth wishes to make the supreme sacrifice.
4: You keep calling me youth. Have you had work done or something? I mean, is that makeup? Because you look my age.
7: Very noble. But very foolish. I've changed my mind.
4: You shall live, for me. And Dale, what will happen to her?
7: If you promise to obey me forever, I will bring her back to life to torture you with the lost possibilities.
4: Then I agree to your terms.
7: Shall we seal our bargain with a drink and hot sex?
4: Very well.
7: Here it is, O oh queen. What? Here what is? What could I possibly need right now that you come in here and stand over us naked? I'm not naked. We are naked. Flash, me. What is that? This is the cup for the drink. Ah, oh, I forgot about the drink, yes. Thank you. And now, you are truly mine forever. <coughs> you drugged me after we did it and now you are truly mine forever
4: i can't just can't remember i where am i who are you did the knicks win the championship yet and who am i uh, do not vary
7: my soldier prince i am your queen
4: queer i can't remember who i am I had something. I, I had something to do. I I had to save somebody.
7: Get back and relax.
4: I must have been struck in the head during a battle. Forgive me for being so foggy.
7: Oh, you are forgiven, my prince.
4: Come with me. I thought I just did. I can't remember. I, my mind is a blanket. Is blanket the right word? I don't know anymore. To blonde to oh, oh.
7: You mean you have forgotten even how to speak? Everything. Sal, so, you idiot. How much did you put in this vine? Oh, I was
6: distracted by your love play, my queen.
4: I have forgotten how to speak. Even don't know how to bring up our love. All I know is that you're the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen and had, given I can't remember the past five minutes ago.
7: Ah, and that is what I have been waiting to hear you say. Listen, my handsome prince, I wish to test you. Look at these two lifeless, blood-soaked figures suspended there. Soiling themselves as vigor sets in. Do you know them?
4: The lion man and the girl? Beautiful girl, too. Blonde, voluptuous, limp. Soiling herself young. Enough! Sure.
7: Do you know them?
4: I never saw them before in my life. Could I recognize them? Have I met them?
7: One more test, Sal. The pool motor. Bring that man back to life.
4: My Queen, I never thought I'd see someone stimulate a cadaver that way. Can you wipe my mind again? Now?
6: He is coming back, oh Queen! Stand back!
1: (sighs) Yeah, your, Your Majesty. Where is Dale? Dale? Your Majesty? What are you talking about? You must be ill, Your Majesty. Don't you know me? Foon of the Lion Men!
4: Azura, what is this man raving about?
7: He's a war prisoner of ours. Crazy from the wounds and the pull motor. Oh,
4: I quite understand. I forgive him.
7: I am glad you are so loyal to me.
4: I always will be my beautiful queen. Flash! Flash! Listen to
1: me!
6: Quiet! Lie back, you!
1: You! I warn you! It will take a thousand times for that pull machine of yours and all your magic men to keep me in chains!
6: I think not. Gods, magic men, bind him on all fours with the electric manacle. No! Silence, dog. I warn you, if you disobey, these manacles will become red hot and steal you to the bone.
1: Uh, uh um, what?
6: And now for the girl. Hmm. Uh, attachments too.
7: Uh, <laughs> it's good to be queen.
4: <laughs> yes.
7: Vox!
4: Nothing.
5: My... Oh, Flash. Where are you?
6: You shall see him. Get up, come this way.
5: Oh, again? Where am I?
6: You are in the palace of Azora, Queen of the Magic Men, etc, etc. When I draw these curtains, you shall see your lover in the arms of his queen, Azora. Oh! Flash, a lot of it. How could you?
4: Listen, your kingdom is very beautiful, my darling. I think I would enjoy the sight of food on you more. I'm starved.
7: Oh, forgive me, my prince. I was so interested in showing the beauty of my palace that I've forgotten about food.
4: I've never heard of that referred to as a palace before, my queen. I must have forgotten so many words.
7: Come in the dining room.
4: We have everywhere else.
5: Oh, Flash! It's so hard to see you do everything you used to do with me.
6: Oh, cook some food.
4: You're not, you're not gonna make the
2: sandwich yourself?
6: How oh, strange, Guile! Come with me. Never. I am Flash's forever. No, I mean to the kitchen. You shall serve them sandwiches. No.
3: Sal takes Dale to the kitchen of the Evil Witch Queen's Palace, where she joins Captain Thune, who is forced to be a sommelier and then prep chef, helping prepare the food.
1: Oh, Dale, I feared for the worst. I even demanded that they test that pull motor on me every half hour to make sure it was in great shape to wake you up. Uh, you're safe?
5: Yes. Well, thank you, Captain Thune. I- I'm glad to find you safe drained looking as well but but flash yes but what has caused flash to behave so
1: maybe she's just amazing at uh doing things
5: no 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 it can't be
1: i don't know she does have a certain look about her a certain confident sexy manner the long hair curving body the well appointed makeup the smell the no stop swelling of i her.
5: can't contemplate it oh what is it about her
1: Yes, uh, certainly it is a mystery um, uh, to all of us. uh, Nothing to do with her sensual manner. Yes,
5: I do not know what it could be.
1: Flash seems to be under some kind of spell, poor devil. Lucky, doomed compatriot. The way, even just walking, she undulates. This queen is indeed a witch. (laughs) Mm. What are you doing? I'm preparing the salad dressing and salad shooter.
6: Put that down. This is a kitchen, you fool. Get to No, I won't. I won't do anything for her. You dare to rebel? Then take this magic magnetic whip I took from Queen Azora. Give me that whip or I'll break your neck.
1: Ugh.
5: Surrender, Thune. Please.
1: For your sake, Dale. Uh, well, I, uh, I surrender. I, I will obey. Oh, yes. I mean... Oh, stop. I obey. Why are you whipping me too, Dale?
5: I, uh,
6: sorry. Good, obey. Now, girls, take this plate of food into the queen. Her new pudding is also ready to be received with her new prince. I will help you with the tray, Dale.
1: One taste of my essence that I've now put all over the food and all of her magic mode savor. There, my essence replaced the mayo before he caught me. Now, then, you can carry it.
5: Yes, I shall. I am, in fact, taking it in now.
7: Ah, here comes the food. There's my prince. See, miss? Oh, Flash! You clumsy fool! Scrape up the food and give it to us. Don't you love me anymore, Flash?
4: Love you? I don't even know you, girl. Could you show me something that might spring my memory?
7: I will teach this unruly and clumsy servant girl obedience. Guard, give her the whip.
4: Hmm, I still don't remember. Try the buttocks.
3: What will happen to Dale Arden? Her clothes torn and skin reddened by the whip held in the clutches of the cruel Witch Queen Azora. See for yourself in full colored pictures, the terrifying situation that faces our friends in tomorrow's newspaper. Friends, when you married your husband, you expected him to be as natural law created him without the new problems that a world wall create for you in your marriage. To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your spouse, friends and neighbors reeks presents Marvin J. Anthony, founder of the famed Marital Relations Institute and his brand new program. Daily sessions of kindly and unhelpful advice, just as Mr. Anthony brings examples to this studio helping thousands of men and women solve their personal problems. Reeks, too, is helping thousands to solve the important personal problem of underarm perspiration. Reeks helps you avoid perspiration damage to clothes and safeguard friendships. Reeks every day helps out perspiration safety and at the same time answers some of the existential problems that plague your marriage. Reeks every day is the most effective deodorant with our patented aluminum based deodorant. You will find these pictures in next Sunday's magazine under your father's bed, which is distributed in the health section of your Sunday newspaper. And besides Flash Gordon, you will find all the other fake female friends waiting to entertain you. And the comic strips, bringing up Father, the little inappropriate Barney Google, good old Skippy the van dweller on parole, Polly and her overly friendly pals, Captain Jammer's kids tips and Casper's secret island outhouse, Wet Willie the toilet, Mickey Mouse and many others. Be sure you get the big full colored comic spread weekly with your magazines next Sunday. And don't forget our date next week at this same time for another chapter in Reasonably Amazing Interplanetary Adventures of Flash Gordon. Our cast was Pete Handelman, Pete Lutz, Rhiannon McAfee, Gino C. Vianelli, Curtis Bedford, Tom Conkle, and stephanie stearns dooley directed by tom conkle sound mix and
4: effects by tom conkle adapted from the original source material by tom conkle music by brian errata good evening this is orson Welles, your producer along with curtis bedford special series of broadcasts presented by the makers of blatz beer the liquid lobotomy blatz For when you're shotgunning yourself into oblivion. Blatt's Beer is presenting the Mindstream Players in a new thriller series, Overwrought. Tonight's episode The Hairy Handed Hitchhiker. Ladies and gentlemen, the element of surprise is so vital to our story tonight that our sponsors, the makers of Blatt's Beer, are omitting their usual commercial message during the intermission between the acts so that our play will go uninterrupted from spooky start to spooky finish. (laughs) Therefore, let's give Pete Handelman his 45-second opportunity right now to extol the merits of that blended, splendid, uh, Hey, Pete? Of that
8: blended, splendid
4: Blatt's beer. Those two words tell
8: the whole flavor story, Orson. You see, every single drop of Blatt's beer is the liquid lobotomy. Blatt's beer is the unfortunate result of blending. Yes, the full-flavor blending of ingredients never meant to be combined, yet turned into 33 fine brews. That's right, never less than 33 fine brews in their individual taste tones. To give you that splendid flavor. Not too light, not too heavy or feculent, but fresh, sooty, sparkling, with a real beer taste somehow coming through, just the way we like it. Friends, these days when your dealer or pimp is occasionally unable to supply you with all the Blatt's beer you'd like, please, please keep on asking, for every single bottle you do get will live up to the same elastic standards of quality and taste. Yes, every bottle will be, as always, blended splendid. Blatt's beer, fulfilling a bewildering variety of empty promises. And now back to Mr.
4: Wells. We of the Mindstream players surmise that a story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the loins. Sometimes you want your heart to be warm. Sometimes you want your loins to tingle. It's that academic. Well, the tingling will be quite audible as you listen to tonight's classic among radio thrillers. Its author is one of the most gifted of all the writers who've ever worked in this medium. Me who also wrote the single greatest radio script ever written, War of the Worlds, Part 2. It was brilliant, prescient, and sadly, unproduced as our friends. The producer said no, no, repeatedly no, to the finest, unproduced radio script ever written, War of the Worlds, Part 2, Booster Shots of Doom. I think that was the final title. I'd know what the final title was if I'd been able to record it, but that's neither here nor there. At least I've, I've been assured of total control of my latest motion picture The Magnificent Ambersons. The title of this terrifying little tale for the evening is another loin tingler by the name The Hairy Handed Hitchhiker. I'm in an auto camp on Route 90, just west of Climax, New Mexico. If I tell this, maybe it will help me. It will keep me from going crazy. And I must tell this swiftly. I am not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, perfectly well. Except I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Pudsey Diddleberry. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940... Ford V8, license number 4R692 I was born in Virginia All this I know I know at this moment I'm perfectly sane That it's not me that's gone mad But something else Something utterly beyond my control But I must speak Quickly At any moment the link with my life may break It may be the Last thing I ever tell on earth The last night I ever see the stars. Three days ago, I left Virginia to drive to California. Goodbye, Mother. Here, give me a hug for once, and then I'll go.
7: No, that's okay. I'll just come out with you to the car and wave.
4: It's raining. Here, stay at the door. Hey, what's this, tears?
7: Oh, it's just the trip. Pudsy, I wish you weren't driving.
4: Oh, Mother.
7: And I wish you'd left a few years earlier. You're 36.
4: <laughs> there you go again.
7: It's just so strange. And you finally got a driver's license. Now, your first time alone behind the wheel, and you're driving to California.
4: People do it every day, Mother.
7: I know, but not the first time they drive. Oh, you aren't careful, are you?
4: Well, what do you mean?
7: You aren't. You've broken just about everything I've ever owned in that house. Now you are driving. Out in the world. Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep, but drive fast to pick up strangers on the road.
4: How oddly specific. Strangers. And don't worry... There isn't anything going to happen. It's just three days of perfectly straightforward driving on smooth, ample, civilized roads. A hot dog or a coffee shop every two miles. I was in excellent spirits, despite my mother's incessant prodding. The drive ahead, even the loneliness, seemed like hijinks. But I had reckoned without... ...him. Crossing Key Bridge. Morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the railing. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on the front of his trousers. At least I had assumed it was rain. Curious, he was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. He stepped off the walk, and if I hadn't swerved, if I hadn't swerved, I'd have hit him. "'Almost did hit him. "'I backed up to see if he was all right, and I almost hit him again. "'Pulled away, so I nearly ran him over. "'Now I would have forgotten him completely, "'except that just an hour later, "'while crossing the beltway heading west, "'I saw him again. "'At least he looked like the same person. "'He was standing now with one thumb I'd hoped against. "'Hope, that was only a thumb. "'Pointing west.' I couldn't figure out how he'd gotten there. I thought maybe one of the fast trucks had picked him up, eaten me to the beltway, and let him off. I, I didn't stop for him. Then, late that night, I saw him again. It was on the new highway between Richmond and Big Boy Junction. It's 255 miles long with a very fast speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc-light, by the side of the road. I could see him quite distinctly. The bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain splattered over his trousers. He hailed me this time. Hello! Hello! I stepped on the gas like a demon possessed. It's a lonely country through the Blue Ridge Mountains I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidence or whatever it was gave me a strong feeling of nervous apprehension and discomfort. I stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir? Fill her up, will you?
9: Check your fluids?
4: No, just the car. Thanks.
9: Nice night, ain't it?
4: Yes. It hasn't been raining here lately, has it?
9: Not a drop of rain all week.
4: Oh, no? I suppose that hasn't done your business any
9: harm. Nah. No, people drive through here in all kinds of weather. Mostly business, though. Ain't many pleasure cars out on the Beltway this season of the year.
4: I guess not. How about hitchhikers?
9: Hitchhikers? Here?
4: Why? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any?
9: A guy'd be a fool to hitchhike on this road. Look at it. It's empty. Just bodies of animals and the like.
4: You mean, you never see anybody?
9: No. Maybe they get a lift before the Beltway starts. I mean... You know, just before the Gland's building. But then it's a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't pick up a guy for that long a ride. This is pretty lonesome country here mountains and woods. You ain't seen nobody like that, have you?
4: Uh, no. Uh, no, no. It's just a technical question, a mere trifling of the mind.
9: Oh, I see.
4: Ha 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 ha! You see. On a long journey, I simply ask questions of no consequence. Of reality. I saw no strange man on the road beckoning me. I asked as a, a lark, a frivolous thought experiment. <laughs> uh, yeah,
9: <laughs> I get it. Sure. <laughs> well, um, uh, that'll be a dollar forty-nine with the tax.
4: Sure. Here you go. The entire thing gradually passed from my mind as a coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Big Boy Junction. I didn't think about the man all the next day until just outside of Blue Ball, Ohio. Yes, and that's a real place. It unnerved me as well. Filled with a kind of hysteria, I saw him again in down. It was a bright, sunny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay dreaming in the golden light. I was was driving slowly, uh, drinking it and a blatz beer in. When the road suddenly ended in a detour, in front of the barrier he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I continue. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as beige. Nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there waiting, almost droopy a little. The cheap overnight bag in his hand, he looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello! Hello! I stopped the car, of course, for the detour. For a few minutes, I couldn't seem to find the new road. I realized he must be thinking that I'd stop for him. Hello! No, not just now. I'm sorry. Going to
9: California?
4: No, no, not today. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Ball uh, Rock, Devonshire. It's a place. In England. Really. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry! After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, was somehow unbearable. Yet at the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by, the fields, the towns, ticking off one by one. The lights changed. I knew now I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear.
1: Yep. What is it? What you want, Mr. Wells?
4: Name's Diddleberry, actually.
1: Sure. Whatever. Mr. Diddleberry. Why are you winking? Uh, uh, no reason. Uh, Mr. Diddleberry, was it? Yes. Right. Right. Uh, That's, uh, your name. Today.
4: You sell sandwiches and pop here,
1: don't you? Well? Yep. We do it in the daytime, but we're closed
4: up for the night. I know. I was wondering if you could possibly let me have a cup of coffee. Black coffee. No, not this time of night, Orson. <laughs> will you stop?
1: My wife's the cook, and she's in bed, and I will be
4: soon if you catch my drift. <laughs> do you? Stop winking. Stop it! Now Listen. Just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside this store, and he, a suspicious-looking man.
7: Who is it, Maynard?
1: It's nobody, Mother. Just a fella thinks he wants a cup of coffee. Go back to bed and uh, get things ready.
4: I don't mean to disturb you, but you see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. There? Who was? The man I've been telling you about. He haunts me as if he were a phantasm. He was there by the road. What was he doing? I'm trying to tell you. Listen! Uh,
1: is this the story now? Yes! This is the tale. I'm telling you that the man was there. Doing? <sighs> Nothing. <sighs> Not much of a story, is it? Waving your hands around it, arching your eyebrows while you tell me isn't going to make it scarier.
4: Uh, never mind. Look, just give me the razzleberry fruit snack. Or, or, or maybe some chicken tortilla soup, please. Chicken tortilla soup? What kind of made-up
1: stuff is that? You've been hitting the bottle. That's what's the matter with you, chicken tortilla soup. Wow, that's a good one. This is a road to madness. Madness! Son, you ain't making a lick of sense. You don't have the faculty God gave the common weasel. All this talk of men and chicken and tortillas. Forget it. Never mind. Just mm. Diddleberry. That's your name, Mm. huh, Austin? You got nothing better to do than wake decent folk out of their hard earned to sleep with your stories about... Shut your all
4: right? Now, just stop it. Stop it!
1: Take your hands off me. You're plumb crazy, Diddleberry. Now get going. Get on. It looked as though he was going to rob you. What? The man. The mysterious man. I ain't got nothing in this fruit stand to lose. Now on your way before I call out Sheriff Perez.
4: I got into the car again, and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car, and incidental service establishments. I could have found a place to at least rest. I was in the Ozark Mountains in Missouri now. I was probably lost, certainly not heading for California at the moment. I needed a map, and a nap. A few resort places there were, were closed. I'd seen him at the roadside stand, I knew I'd see him again. Maybe the next turn in the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I'd run him down. But I didn't see him again. Until late the next afternoon, I finally turned around and stopped the car at a sleepy little junction just across the border from Oklahoma to let a train pass. And he appeared across the tracks. He was leaning against a telephone pole. It was a perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun, yet there were spots of fresh rain on the front of his trousers near the zipper. I couldn't stand it. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me, he was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas hard, veering the wheel sharply towards him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then something went wrong with the car, it stalled right on the tracks the train was coming closer, I could hear its bell tolling, its cry, its whistling, crying. Still he stood there. Now I knew he was beckoning, beckoning me to my doom. (laughs) Well, I have no idea how the train missed me. I was literally on the tracks. I figured I'd frustrated him too that time. The car must have started. It worked at last. I somehow managed to back up, but after the train had passed, he was gone. I was all alone on the foggy, damp night. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself be alone on the road for one minute. There appeared a tall, hirsute woman, hitchhiking by the side of the lonely road. Hello there, hello. I'd like a ride.
0: What do you think? How far are you going?
4: Kansas City. I'll take you to Kansas City.
0: Kansas City, Missouri?
4: No, Kansas City, in Kansas. I'll drive you there. Gee, there's
0: a Kansas City
4: in Kansas? Yes, gateway to the Southwest, to the city of fountains, to the heart of America. Sounds nice. Looks good, too. Hop in.
0: Oh, thanks for stopping. Mm.
4: Miss, uh, you should be careful. Being out this late at night, it's dangerous.
0: Mind if I take off my shoes? My feet are killing me.
4: No. Go right ahead. I uh, saw inside the hitchhiker's bag as she put away her shoes. The bag was full of bloody tools and instruments, and her hairy hand fumbled with it and zipped the bag shut. Make yourself comfortable. Thanks.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, what a break this is. Swell car and a decent guy driving all the way to Texas. All I've been getting so far is trucks. Hitchhike much? Sure. Only it's tough sometime in these great open spaces to get the brakes.
4: Yeah. I'd uh, think it would be. But I'll bet, though, if you got a good pickup and a fast car, you get to places faster than, well another person in another car. I don't get you. Well, uh, you take me, for instance. Suppose I'm driving across the country at a nice steady clip of about 45 miles an hour. Uh, Couldn't a girl like you, just standing beside the road waiting for lifts, beat me to town after town, provided she picked up every time in a car and would be doing about 65 or 70 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe she could. Maybe she couldn't. What difference does it make? No, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car.
0: Oh, imagine spending your time in a swell car, thinking of things like that.
4: (laughs) What would you do instead?
0: Oh, what would I do?
4: Mm. I was a
0: good-looking fella like yourself. I'd just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and relax, and if I saw A good-looking girl, along the side of the road. I'd...
4: He hiked up his dress with that strangely hairy, almost masculine hand, and appeared to begin to aggressively make this more of a pleasure drive than I'd planned on. Well, how far are you going?
0: I'll be going all the way, I should think.
4: Do you often, uh... Yes? It's hike... Like this?
0: <clears throat> yes, I had to give up driving when my eyesight began to fail. Oh, oh I
4: see you drive a stick. Ah, yes. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, you? As often as possible. Yeah. Oh. Shall I turn on the radio for you or something? Something romantic. Ah, yes. I found a channel earlier that features music from girls, starring the oh. lovely Rita Hayworth doing songs by Gershwin.
0: Oh, no, no. I find Gershwin terribly distracting. I'll be here all night.
4: <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Listen, what's your name? Diddleberry.
0: Diddleberry. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm really glad you picked me up.
4: I have to ask at this point, it's a bit awkward. Um... <clears throat> oh,
0: you can ask me anything. Don't beat around the bush.
4: Oh, it's rather drafty night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, are you, uh... Um, you know, are you... Are you... You're not going to kill me or something, right?
0: Moi? Extraordinary question. What do you mean?
4: (laughs) Well, you can imagine what I might think. Uh, Foggy road, middle of the night, I pulled up and thought it was a woman. Uh, Then you got in the car and I saw your hairy, muscular hands. Well, my hands
0: got this hairy for a reason. (laughs) Turns out the myth,
4: the ancient legend, is true. Yes, startlingly true. More than just the palms, too, I, (sighs) I see. Anyway, I... Saw your hairy hands and the implements of death in your bag when I got in. I didn't want to be rude once I'd offered the ride and you'd gotten in, but Ugh. rather quickly I naturally assumed you were going to kill me.
0: Kill you?
10: <laughs> <laughs> kill you?
0: No. Oh no, no, no.
4: That is a relief. No! I'm gonna spurt man jelly all over you. Did you see him too? Did you see that? Hey who?
0: Th- that man that's standing beside the barbed wire fence. I didn't see anybody. Right there. Well, it's nothing. Just a barbed wire fence. What do you think you were gonna do, trying to run into that barbed wire fence?
4: There's a man right there. I tell you. A thin, gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. I was trying to run him down.
0: Run him down? You mean kill him? You were going to kill him too? Him too?
4: So you were going to kill me? No, I really was going to spurt- I'm trying to get rid of him, or at least prove he's real, but you say you didn't see him back there, are you sure?
0: I didn't see anything strange, and as far as that's concerned. Mm.
4: But look- You made me get so... Look, 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 just watch for him, okay? Will you watch him next time and keep watching? Keep your eyes peeled on the road. Uh, Maybe any minute now. There! Right there!
0: How's this door work? I'm getting out of here.
4: you see him this time? Did you
0: see him? No. No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, Mr. Wells, I don't expect to ever see him. All I want to do is go on doing what I was doing and living. I don't see how I'll live very long driving with you.
4: Look, I'm sorry. I, I, I... I don't know what came over me. Me. Please don't.
0: If you'll excuse me.
4: Please. You can't go. Listen, how'd you like to go to California? I'll drive you all the way to California. Seeing your freakish
0: projections along the way? No thanks.
4: Listen, please, just one minute.
0: You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend, just a good dose of sleep. There. I
4: got it now. No, 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 you can't go. I want to show you the little man. He's right over there. Got to Leave see your it. hands off me. Do you hear? Leave your hands off me! Come back here, please. Come back. Oh. I should point out with all due respect to the trans community, that was no woman. Merely a hirsute psychopath in a dress. Ran from me as if I was some kind of monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick him up. I... Knew I was utterly alone. I was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. Wasn't a car on the road. After the truck went by, tried to figure out what to do, how to get a hold of myself. I couldn't find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car, clean it up, obviously. A sponge, perhaps a squeegee was all I needed then. Just a few hours. Get some sleep just alongside the road. I I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket, just as... Hello! When I saw him, coming towards me. Hello! Coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! I didn't wait for him to come any closer to me. I had enough of that already today.
9: Hello! Hello!
4: Maybe I should have spoken to him then, thought it out then and there. I began to be everywhere whenever I stopped for even a minute. For gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich. He was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. He was standing near the drinking fountain at a little camping spot just outside the border of Horno, New Mexico. He's waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation. Stopped to check my tires. Saw him in Albuquerque when I bought four dollars of gas. I was afraid now, afraid to stop. I began to drive faster and faster. I was in a lunar landscape now, the great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the buttocks of Oliver Hardy. Laurel and Hardy drifted tersely in my mind. And now the man didn't even wait for me to stop unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over these endless roads. He waited for me at every other mile. I could see his figure shatterless, flitting before me, still in its same attitude over the still lifeless ground, flitting up over dried up rivers, leaning casually against the fabulous eat restaurant by the clown raceway, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting with the pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself, just beside myself. I finally reached climax, New Mexico, this morning, there's an auto camp here. It's cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if I could speak to somebody familiar, someone that I loved, I could pull myself together.
7: Number, please.
4: Long distance.
7: Thank you. This is long distance.
4: I'd like to put in a call to my home in Springfield, Virginia. I'm Pudsey Dittlebury. The number is Clearbook 6961.
11: Thank you. Thank you. What is your number?
4: My number? It's 616.
11: Albuquerque? Virginia for Climax. Virginia. Climax,
4: New Mexico. Calling Clearbrook 6961. I read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was in the middle of the morning. I knew Mother would be home. I pictured her short white hair and her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. It'd be enough.
7: Are you pleased to three dollars and 85 cents for the first three minutes when you have deposited a dollar and a half will you wait until i've collected the money all right deposit another dollar and a half will you please deposit the remaining 75 cents ready with springfield go ahead please
4: hello
11: hello mrs diddleberry residence
4: hello mother
11: uh, no, this is Mrs. Diddleberry's residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please?
4: Who's this?
11: Well, this is Mrs. Whitney.
4: Mrs. Whitney? Well, I don't know any Mrs. Whitney. Is this Clearbrook 6961? Yes. Where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Diddleberry?
11: Uh, Mrs. Diddleberry is not at home. She's still in the hospital.
4: The hospital?
11: Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is this a member of the family?
4: What is it? What's she in the hospital for?
11: Oh, she's been committed for three days. A nervous breakdown. Acute hygienic arrest. The doctors think she might be too old to breathe in the upright position. Who is this calling?
4: Nervous breakdown? My mother doesn't have...
11: It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Pudsey.
4: The death of her oldest son, Pudsey. Hey, what's this? What number is this?
11: This is Clearbrook 6961. It's all been very sudden. He was killed three days ago in an automobile accident on Key
10: Bridge.
4: And so I'm sitting here, in this deserted auto camp in Climax, New Mexico. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to get a hold of myself. Otherwise, otherwise, I'd go crazy. Outside it is night, the vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky, and ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa, mountains, prairies, and desert. Somewhere among them, he is waiting for me. Somewhere. And somewhere, I shall know who he is. And who I am.
8: We'll be right back to tell you more about our next Mindstream Players episode of Overwrought. But first, the makers of Blatt's beer, the liquid lobotomy, wish to remind you that you may not be able to get Blatt's. Every time you want it in these days of grain restrictions, it is well worth your time to keep asking, for every bottle you do get will continue to live up to its name. And speaking of grain restrictions, not a single grain of wheat is being used in the brewing of Blatt's beer, and we assure you that the grains being used by Blatt's breweries are not the grains wanted for famine relief regardless of what you've been reading in the newspapers or heard on your radio news. Now let me repeat, Blatt's beer is the best for when you're having more than six. You can be sure this truly great beer will be, as always, the happy blending of fine brews. Blatt's, when you're shotgunning yourself into oblivion, think Blatt's. And now, here's Orson Welles.
4: Next month, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you another Mindstream play as we hope a favorite of yours... You've asked for it many times. My thanks, of course, go out to the Mercury Theater and Orson Welles and all the talented people that worked on the suspenseful shows that they did, and to the voice talents Stephanie Dooley, Curtis Bedford, Tanya Johnson, Gino C. Vianelli, David Beeler, all remarkable people contributing to the overwrought. Thank you. This is Tom Conkle, the director and star of this little venture. This is the Mindstream.
2: Thanks so much to Tom Conkle and the Mindstream players for their hilarious double feature as our second act. As the curtains fall for another week, please join us next Sunday for another fantastic double feature. This time, Project Audion returns, and the Mutual's own United Artists of Audio, including Pete Lutz from the Radio and Jeff Billard from Audio Groove Cats. Until then, I'm David Alt, your host, and from myself and our announcer Jack Ward, good night from Halifax, Nova Scotia. And that concludes this week's performance of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their respective copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network and any shows that continue their run must receive express permission from all parties involved. Join us next week for another new classic. With thanks to our announcer, Jack Ward, I'm your host, David Olds. Good night.
1: Wanted to find a place where kids can go to listen to funny stuff? Well, you have just found it. This podcast will have jokes, kids' stories, educational stuff that kids could learn from. So tune in and enjoy the show.